Welcome, everyone, you've been listening to and perhaps watching Hot Sauce Sports. I'm your host, Pease Del Riz. I am joined by my co-host, Terry Tam. He's back after a week off. How's it going, Terry? Very good. I was not paying attention because I was booking a golf course for Canada Day, which is impossible. Absolutely yeah. impossible. It's And it's also an unpleasant day to play uh, on a course. Uh, it's an unpleasant day to play because there are so many people. Um, and if you're unlucky enough to be behind someone who's playing slowly, like, for example, if Duke is ahead of you, your day is over. It's yeah, just, because everybody and their fucking uncle are out to play. Yeah, I, mean, I think you, Duke and his aren't going to work on that day because we're canceling the holiday, right? That's what people are doing this year. <laughs> oh, it's true. Yeah, we're canceling the holiday. I forgot about that. We're well, canceling not necessarily the holiday, just the day. Like, it just doesn't it, exist anymore. It's something I wanted to bring up. I, and I, it's something it's happened in the news over the last two weeks. And I waited specifically for it to fall in Canada Day because I think that it's important to reflect upon. Um, any country's history in totality, right? Like you, you know, it's it's important that you recognize how your country has grown, but you also can't forget the past and, and where uh, the past uh, may have been less than pleasant. And we, of course, are talking about the uh, the indigenous graves uh, that were found in in British Columbia. These were children that uh, were seemingly um, murdered at the hands of the Catholic Church. The history of our country is uh, one that was created by mission of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, and, of course, that the way that was taught when Terry, when you and I were in grade school, for example, and how the, uh, the you know, the priests settled uh, Quebec, we know now in the way that, you know, these conversations are happening in a way they never did before, that it's not exactly uh, the way we learned it when we were children. Of course. Why would you – why would you uh, – um... Basically, tell everybody what you like the, the illegal shit. Why would you tell people that you killed seven hundred and fifty children? Well, I mean, if you did that, then you should. Right? Or the best thing to do is not kill seven hundred fifty children. That's yeah, the first step. Let's try um, not killing kids. Oh wait, I just yeah. did. I just tried, and I'm successful at not murdering children. Yeah, I mean, guys, let, let's give the church a little bit of credit here. They just killed the kids. They didn't molest them. Okay? Not that we know. Oh, not that we know okay. of eagles. To be fair. I mean, maybe that's. I mean, we don't want to get into a whole bit about this, but yeah, let's let's get real. And listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not attached to Canada Day in any by any means. Like, it's not something that like I'm not looking forward to. Hey, Canada Day barbecue. Like, I don't give a shit about it. But like, can't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's even couldn't care less. I don't really care much about any holiday now that I think about it. Christmas, I'm like fifty fifty on. I I love holidays because I get to see my family, um, and I get nah. to see friends. Um, but like that's the significance it takes on for me. But I am like in general, I am a proud Canadian. I am a proud Montrealer, and and to me, um, it's important to hold your country accountable if you are actually proud, right? And it's important to say, hey, you know what? This is something that needs to be looked at, even though it's happened before. Even though the people who are living in the country now are not the people responsible, you still need to listen to the voices of the people that were affected and the families and uh, of the people who were affected. And I think, uh, you know, that's, that's essentially my take on it is, of course, we need to move forward. Uh, of course, no one's saying that you and I, Terry, or other people are specifically responsible. No, I'm, than, I'm Greek Orthodox. There yeah. wasn't a Greek Orthodox church that buried children. Not this that time. That we know of. Yeah, that we know of, yeah. <laughs> but, but, it, but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, um, 
I think more than anything else, it's not about who's to blame. It's it's recognizing the pain of the people who suffered and and uh, know, knowing that Canada, what Canada means to me, what Canada means to you, Terry, uh, might mean something very, very different. And the only way we can eventually get to a point where we have similar feelings about the country is we recognize each other's history. Absolutely. Um, that, that said, you know, it's a heavy way to start the show, but it's something important, something that we definitely want to talk about. Uh, but let's get into our regular antics because that's why people are here. Terry, it's time for the news. Ah, Terry's the news. It we is. Got a, we got a pretty good show today. Uh, we did the heavy stuff on the front end. Uh, we will talk to our friend um, and media member Mo Khan. He joined Weatherman. us. Weatherman. TSN 690. Um, he and I are continuing our usual uh, flag football podcast today. Uh, so we figured, you know, it's a great time to bring him on since we're going to be talking to him anyway. Um, so looking forward to talking to a lot of Hab stuff with him. Uh for those who will get angry in the first 10 minutes that we don't talk a ton of halves, I promise it's coming. We brought on an expert for that reason. Um, and we're I mean, is Mokan an expert? Yeah. Well, I mean, I got to sell the interview, Terry. Like, well, like well, nobody's buying it. He's, he's part of the Montreal media shit fest that is the Montreal Canadiens coverage. So that's yeah. as close to an expert you're going to get. Yeah, I, exactly. will, I will say this. Mokan does the job in the media that I find to be the worst job I would rather jack off horses. Um, he works the beat, and I find that to be an awful job. Standing around with a microphone, talking to a bunch of people who never want to talk to you, listen to Carey Price say nothing all the time. That can, that's not easy. Jack off a horse, it's more rewarding. He you know what's not in easy? He the green screen and tells us when it's going to rain. So that's awesome. Yeah, cool. exactly. And he that's was better, wrong a couple weeks job. ago. He was wrong a couple weeks ago. I had booked um, a golf trip, not golf trip, golf day with my brother and his friends for his birthday. And I messaged Mo like on the Wednesday. It said it was gonna rain. I'm like, Mo, tell me like the forecast is wrong. He's like, Nah, man, your golf game is gonna be canceled for sure. Saturday morning, not a fucking cloud in the sky. Yeah, not. Uh, I, I don't believe any. Like tomorrow, I'm supposed to be playing. It says it's gonna thunder. I don't believe it. I'm just gonna I, show up and see what happens. I had the opposite experience today. I was outside for the four minutes it rained, and because the forecast said zero chance of precipitation, I wore my green suede sneakers. And uh, suede. First of all, first of all, first mistake. You own green suede sneakers. Absolutely, guy. I have so many shoes. Second mistake. You wore them outside. Yeah. Well, I mean, third mistake. You exist as a human being because you own these things. That's not my mistake. That's my parents. (laughs) I love how we're hyping up Mo's interview and calling him an expert by saying all the shitty things that he does to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do. That's that's the show, Eagle. Maybe you don't understand the show. Um, so why maybe is you haven't been again? here for a hundred episodes? Um, Mo's an, ex- an expert of uh, of very few things, um, but he is a conversationalist. So Mo is like I kind of feel like I'm the same way. He's just a, to, like a he's a much better version of that, where he knows enough about every subject that he can carry a conversation. Yes, absolutely. He's a great generalist. He's also a very good play by play guy. Um, that's the thing I think he actually does the best. And um, honestly, he gets paid to cover 
for the team, right? So um, I will say, I want I have one quick question though before we move on to the first story. Worst Twitter account: Mo Khan or Magic Johnson? I've never seen Magic Johnson's Twitter. Oh, account. it's the worst. It's Magic Johnson's tweets will be stuff like, um, "The Suns are playing good basketball tonight." Yeah, but Mo uses words really weird words. Like he uses words that don't belong. Yeah. Like one time he said, "I'm gonna use a football term and say." that that was uh, an illegal hit or something like that. He was a defenseless player. So I responded. I said, that's basically a term in every sport, no, not just football. Yeah. He also, sometimes he'll use, like, just English words, and, like, he'll he'll understand 90% of what the word means, but it's not exactly that. So Yeah, he uses the word purchase. He's like, this team had a lot of purchase. I'm like, what did they buy? Sticks? Pucks? Maybe. You'd hope. We'll ask him. We'll ask him actually. We'll ask him. We'll ask him. First question: What did the Habs purchase? Yeah. And and how purchase are they? How purchase are they? How? Yeah. What is their level of purchase on their purchases? For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, I, I, we could go on and more forever, but I do want to get to the first topic. Um, the the archetype of a superstar is changing in the NBA, and we've known this for a while. I think this was a great week. Of sort of like with the old heads of basketball saw the game as versus what the young, you know, millennial Gen Z NBA stars are. Um, and where I want to start with this is Giannis praising Chris Middleton after after the game. Uh, after Chris Middleton basically won the game for them. I think he scored 20 fourth quarter points. Uh, and he said basically in the fourth quarter... If he wants a shot at the end of the game, he's going to get it. So before I, I tell you what I think, Terry, I want, I want to know, were you, like, obviously I know I'm, I'm the more, more the basketball guy, but what, do you, what did you think just hearing those comments to begin with? The, the thing is, is that why would they give him the shot? And why was he automatically the shot guy? That's or what I'm trying to or, or Or Middleton. Because he's a better shooter than Giannis, and he's. Well, I mean, I, mean I, I think I'm a better shooter than Giannis. Like, <laughs> I mean, you could probably shoot a foul shot in less than ten seconds. So. Oh my god, how annoying <laughs> was that? It's no, so... but like, listen, he's not your star player, and they're and they're saying that you're gonna get the last shot. He's the guy. But there's like, didn't Scotty? Do you have Scotty Pippen on the on the? Uh, Scotty Pippen's in this too, so don't worry. We'll get okay, so it's kind of the same don't thing. Avoid we're... Scotty Pippen for now. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say it's kind of the same story, where it's like yeah. I should be getting the shot, but like the shot goes to the guy who can make the shot. Like that's pretty well, and, much. And, it. and look, I mean, listen, um, you know, people have criticized LeBron for not taking the game-winning shot, even though he's hit more game-winning shots. So many. Yeah. Um, the but also Michael Jordan passed the ball to Paxton, passed the ball to Kerr, and those two shots won championships. Uh, Kukoc actually was when uh, he was retired, so that ah, okay. it wasn't uh, that game. That specific game wasn't. When oh he, yeah, because he played with Kukoc. He just eventually didn't. yes, yeah. It wasn't that shot. Yeah, okay. Exactly. The uh, the uh, you know LeBron passed to Ray Allen to make the shot to to win them the champ the first championship of Miami. And Ray Allen, the third best shooter of all time behind Steph Curry and uh, Reggie Miller. Absolutely. <laughs> Not Reggie Miller. <laughs> Reggie Miller number 1. Reggie Miller number 1. No, I will die no. I will die on my fucking grave. There's about 50 you, better shooters in the NBA right now. No, no there isn't. Peace. There, there is not. <laughs> There's not. No, but there is not. Like Reggie Miller is the best shooter of all so time. So Miller is not on that list. I mean, I I consider him <laughs> Carmelo Anthony, not on that list. No, Reggie Miller is better than Carmelo Anthony no. as a shooter. No, not by a long shot. 
Not in his prime. Not okay, his... listen, I know I troll and I know I bust balls, but like that's ridiculous. Not that's in his prime. That's not, the... not his prime. Carmelo was one of the more, most gifted shooters. You've said, you've said you've said some really dumb stuff in the, the years that we've been doing this podcast. That was probably the dumbest one. No, said. I disagree. Oh, 100%. There's no way that Carmelo Anthony is a better shooter than Reggie Miller. Put them at the three-point challenge at the NBA All-Star game, and Reggie Miller will do his thing, and it'll go in right away. I guess. More times than Carmelo Anthony. So Trey Young, not as good as... Nah, Reggie Miller's better than Trey Young. Not as good as Reggie Miller. It's different because Kevin Durant's not necessarily like a major three-point guy. He's like an all-around better player than Reggie Miller. There's no doubt. But if you're talking about like pure three-point at the baseline, you need a bucket. I'm not going Kevin Durant. I'm going Reggie Miller. Eagle, when you have a chance, give me those two players' three-point percentage for their careers. I think I think Terry will be very surprised. No, Reggie Miller has a high three-point percentage. He does, but but until Ray Allen beats him, Reggie Miller is three ninety-five. Which is okay. okay. It's very, very good. And what, what's it's Kevin Durant? Oh, what's Kevin Durant? What's Ray Allen, actually? That's, that's Kevin Durant's Ray Allen three is... point is 384. Fuck that shit. Right, okay, you're right. See? So if you're going to tell me that Kevin Durant is a good shooter, okay? And He's then a... I tell you that Dredge Miller is the best shooter. You can't tell me that I'm crazy. What's, uh, what's, just, okay, what's guess, Steph Curry? So, Steph Curry is like four something. Who's this? Steph Curry. He's like four something. He's almost the... Five. There's been years where he's almost at 600. Yeah. Not, so he's at 433. Okay, that's yeah, the, he's that's, like that's, the anomaly. Ray Allen, give me Ray Allen, Eagle. I want yeah. Ray Allen. Ray Allen to me is the best. He's like realistically he's the best. Ray Allen is 400. Okay, so yeah. I think I think I put Ray Allen up there because he played in a different era where there weren't shooters. So I'm going yeah. Ray, Ray Allen, Allen, Reggie, Curry. That's where I'm going. Ray Allen, Reggie. Actually, Reggie, Ray Allen, Curry. That's what I'm going. Curry, like, stop. Anyway, stop this. Stop Ray- Stop this. Stand That's not the conversation. Moving on. This Reggie, Ray Allen, Steph Curry. Nonsense. Nonsense. I'm clipping um, this. So, basically, though, we have this is Kendrick Perkins. He went on, and, and Kendrick Perkins is now occupying the space that Paul Pierce occupied as being sort of like the my time was the best guy um, in the NBA and the NBA coverage. Um, and this is what he had to say about Giannis's comments about passing up the ball to Chris Middleton. Watching the game, then you can't sit up here and come here this morning and say, oh, no, Chris Middleton don't look like the Batman. Chris Middleton don't look like the more skilled player. Chris Middleton don't look like he embraces the moment when it matters the most. I'm not saying overall career. I'm talking about right now on this Milwaukee Bucks team, Chris Middleton is the Batman. I saw Giannis on a couple of occasions last night when he went to the free throw line and the, and the crowd started chatting and counting down, you know, how long he was at the free throw line. And he shot air ball free throws. He shot an air ball, air ball three-pointer. But when they were down six or seven points, Chris Middleton said, give me the damn basketball, and he took over. That's what Batmans do. Go pull up the stats. Go pull up the data. Don't I'll even talk to me about Giannis. Don't even talk to me about Giannis and defense. Please don't. Because you know what? I'm going to take you back into last series alone. When it was time to guard Kevin Durant in game seven, you know who was checking Kevin Durant? It was Chris Middleton. You know who was delivering buckets on the other end in the fourth quarter going toe-to-toe with KD? It was Chris Middleton. Giannis didn't check KD one time. One time right. throughout the whole entire series. I think Kendrick Perkins is racist towards Greek people. 
<laughs> I, I don't uh, think it's that. I, th- I think I think that's what it is, and I'm saying I'm putting it out there. So Kendrick all, Perkins hates Greek people. First of all, when it was like the end of the game situation, it was almost always Holiday on, um, on yeah, uh, Drew's Drew's right? their their shutdown guy, right? Like it's because not... he's an amazing, like he's a yeah. legend. He he's one of the best defensive point guards in the last twenty years, basically. Like, oh, he's in very, the history very, of basketball, maybe. Yeah, um, but <laughs> so. The thing is, is that um, with regards to, to Kendrick Perkins, like this argument, I feel like this argument of like, you know, you got to be the alpha, and, you, and that's all. That's all comes from from Michael Jordan. That all comes from from Kobe Bryant. But like, does it even matter in an era where you're moving the ball around, where the best basketball decision, and we saw even those guys at times, maybe not Kobe, but at times we saw, we saw those guys pass up the ball for the better shot. Why wouldn't you want to get the ball to someone who's better at doing that job, especially when you attract so much attention in the middle? Exactly. Yeah, that's another thing. It's like everybody's like, oh, but who took the last shot? But like, who had three guys looking at him? You know what I mean? Like, who was wide open? Also, you know who never took the last shot? Shaq. You know who was one of the the best offensive players in the history of the world? Shaq. Shaq. (laughs) What I'm saying is the true Dark Knight delegates. Ah. Ah, there we go. Like Kendrick Perkins is—he's just—he's trying to be like the new Stephen A. Smith, where he's just looking for sound bites all the time. Like he—he he came out this week and he started saying that that nobody wants to play for Luca and everybody wants to play for Trey Young. Listen, I'm not going to disagree with that because I'm not in the locker room. But like Luca is—he's two years in a row. He's—he's and uh, he got MVP votes. Like you can tell when you watch the games. Like he's a fan favorite. He's a team favorite just because the GM, the GM's assistant, didn't like him. They got into an argument. Doesn't mean that he's not a guy you want to play with. And that whole team, I I don't I don't understand how an organization can do what it just did in one off season. Like you get rid of the GM that a built a championship team and then rebuilt a team to get you that superstar, and then obviously this Hall of Fame coach walks away, and and then you hire uh, Jason Kidd. Who had Giannis, by the way, and couldn't make the playoffs with Giannis? So, I don't understand what he's done to earn the the job to coach uh, another young superstar. But you know, it is what it is, and I, and I hope I hope the best for him. But it's it's a weird situation. What's going on in Dallas is a really strange situation. Very weird situation. But I'm not going to sit there and agree with Kendrick Perkins that he's not somebody that, that Luca's not somebody that people like oh, to play for. Trey Young, Trey Young looks like a guy like I would love to play for a guy like with a guy like Trey Young because he's energetic. He's 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 a great player. You know, he's responsible. He, you know, he's young. He's he's vibrant. Like he's a fucking six shooter. He's a great player. But like, great, I see the exact same team. thing about Luca. Like I can describe them both the exact same way. There was a talking a about Trey Young. Uh, what's the Batman equivalent of him? Because he has to be the villain in this example, right? If the Bucks are going to be like the superheroes and mm. the, the vigilantes, then he has to be the villain. But is so he which, a villain or like an antihero? Yeah, exactly. So which which Batman villain was actually like a good guy that he got a bad rap? Like, are we talking about Two Face? Catwoman. Catwoman, yeah. Catwoman always had a. Con- she always. Like we tip off Batman to give him information. She she just mm. wanted to do commit her small crimes, but at the same time she wasn't down with the shit the Joker was trying to pull. She wasn't down with like you know these big world domination plots of the Riddler. You know, Catwoman was someone like Batman could never fall in love with her because of you know the fact that she was still a crook, but recognized that she wasn't like you know this terrible villain like the way the Joker. Who's, who's the best Catwoman of all time? Best actress that played her. Like I mean, 
Michelle Pfeiffer is up there. Can I say Holly yeah. Berry, even though the movie doesn't prove it? No, Michelle Pfeiffer. It has to be Michelle Pfeiffer. I, I just, it's hard for me to go against Holly Berry for other reasons. I mean, what not, choices do you really have? Yeah, you, you have Barry, you have Hathaway. Anyone else off the top of my head? Like from like the, the TV show? Um, well, I would say some of the animated ones. Um, I can't remember her name. Strong is her little family name. She does a lot of voice acting for DC. She's yes. pretty good. Yeah. Tara Strong. Tara Strong. I'm still going Michelle Pfeiffer, though. That scene with the milk and the cats? Crazy scene. Yeah. Those movies are not as good as you remember if you rewatch them. <laughs> I know. I'm just thinking about the scene now. Very low budget. We remember, we, we, we talked about Batman Returns as being the darkest shit ever, and then you watch it back and, like, no, <laughs> it's Pretty not. Shitty, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, Nostalgic. Yeah. So. Now we've seen, you know, uh, Giannis and Kendrick Perkins. Scotty Pippins is also making the rounds, promoting some bourbon. But at the same time, it seems like the dude is incapable of of not making headlines. Um, he, of course, criticized Kevin Durant, and the, those two have been going at each other on on uh, social media. Um, also made comments about Phil Jackson on Dan Patrick's show, where he said that he gave the the game winning shot to Tony Kukoc because he was racist. Again, I don't know. His, his explanation was the dumbest thing. It, it, was, it was dumber than what you said about Reggie Miller not being the best shooter of all time. He's not like, the best shooter of all time. He is, though. It's not even Larry Bird. But he is. Okay. Oh, I forgot about Larry Bird. Also, Clay Thompson, by the way. <laughs> he was only there because he was only good because Steph Curry was covered. Larry Bird was um, 376. See, even worse than Kevin Durant. Yeah, but again, they didn't shoot. He also didn't have a three-point line for most of his Clay career. Clay Thompson is four nineteen. Wow. Yeah, that's nonsense. He's ridiculous. That's crazy. Yeah, but he you got to you got to shave points. He scored thirty points once and, and dribbled the ball four times. It was uh, forty points. <laughs> Wait, whatever it was, it was it was crazy. It was insane. Uh, no, but Pippin is like first of all, he's gone through a lot, like with his wife banging everybody except for him. He lost. Um, his well, he also. Yeah. Uh, he had, you know, we saw in Last Dance, he had he had a rough childhood. The way he was portrayed in Last Dance, I thought was a betrayal. Like they made him seem like a, a burden to the team, and he's one of the fifty greatest basketball players of all time. One of the twenty-five best basketball players. Or, of all time. He, yeah, sure, I'll give you that too. He's about. I think so. Player. Yeah, I think so. No, but it, his explanation was dumb. It was. It was. Yeah. Well, he didn't give me the last shot, so he gave it to Tony Kukoc. <laughs> Which means he's racist. Like he's like, I, I I could have gotten MVP that year. I didn't get it. How come how come I didn't get it? Well, because you didn't get it. Like that's basically what it is. He's he's part of a team. He's like, after what we did, after uh, all the success we had, he didn't give me the last shot. Whatever. Why would Tony Kukoc get it? Tony Kukoc came from Europe, where in Europe they fucking just shoot. That's all they do is shoot. And he came. Was, yeah, that was a style game back then, right? Exactly, and especially he came into the NBA as a shooter, where Pippen yeah. is not a shooter. And I think he, he was really about the previous shot he had taken, actually. Yeah, even worse. Well, Pippen missed the two. He had two previous chances to win the game and missed both shots. The last one, actually, he missed completely. Um, look, I would say racism is is more an experience than it is an act, right? So I can't tell someone what they did or didn't experience. I'm not in the locker room. I don't know. I, I will say that hearing that whole clip, to me, it sounded more about his relationship with Michael Jordan than anything else because he kept talking about how, well, now it was my team, and now I finally – I did yeah. all the groundwork. I did all the dirty work, and, and then you're, you still don't give me the shot. It's like, well, dude, like it's, it, it's not about that. And, and also, 
he also went the route, by the way, of when you start calling going third person. Terry, you know that this show is done when P starts going all P's. You know, when oh, P's sure. all the work P's is done, <laughs> you know it's time. It's time to move on, right? Like, I just I see these guys specifically from that team, and I'm like, man, you guys won six championships. You're two of the greatest players of all time. How can you be so unhappy? You're Scotty and Michael. Like, how can you be so unhappy? But they're both alphas, right? So they're both guys that, like, they always want to make sure that everybody knows that they're the best. Like, even to this day, Michael Jordan still talks shit, like, as if he is the best currently today. Like, Michael Jordan is convinced in his brain that he can come on the court today and beat and play the exact same way he played. When he no, was he, thirty he years old, he thinks he could take LeBron one on one, and and like to be fair, that th- that he probably that could evil. in the short duration, not like a full game, but maybe like a quarter or so. I can see it. Uh, nah, it, no man, it's, it's, 60, it's man. very different. Yeah, he's and he's not. He doesn't. He plays golf every day. Like that's not. He drinks every day. <laughs> he smokes cigars he every day. day. I mean, that also sounds day. like him when he was playing. So the guy <laughs> might have a heart attack <laughs> ten seconds into the yeah. game. Um. No, the thing, and and I think that's the main difference, though, Terry, is that back then I feel like um, you need to be a superstar player. You needed to have this almost irrational ego, right? Where like the thing, the difference in the margin for, between Michael Jordan and the next guy was that he took it personally, right? Famously, like from the from the documentary. Um, but I feel like now it's just a different generation. Players are like, well, I know that I'm great. You know, like I, I don't need to to take to miss a game winning shot. I'd rather move on to the next round than than miss a shot and be the guy missing the shot. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. And like I, I, I think if Durant had the choice, by the way, in the overtime, he wouldn't have made that. It wouldn't have tried to make that last shot. He kept trying to get the ball to Harris, who kept missing everything. So I mean, Durant took that shot because Kyrie and 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 Harden were 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 broken. You know what I mean? Um, and Durant actually, he's been making news again. And he, this is another way the superstar has changed. Jackie McMullen uh, made a, made a comment uh, about how he expects to win three titles in Brooklyn, and he was quick to. And it, it's a fairly innocuous comment. Like that's it doesn't really mean anything. Everyone thinks they're going to win a championship, but he went back and say said, "Listen, I don't know why these media members keep talking about us like we're friends. I never said that. I never. I don't even talk that way. And like." I'm inclined to believe the athlete in this case because the, the athlete, there's just a picture, just the tweet eagles. There's no video. Yeah, no. Um, Jackie McMullen says Kevin Durant's genuine goal is to win three championships with the Nets. Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't he say that? Once again, I don't even talk like this. Plus, I don't have a relationship with Jackie for us to have in-depth conversations about my intentions as a basketball player. I guess she plays an, I guess she plays an opinion-based sport, but she framed this like we are friends. We are not. Well, listen, Jackie McMullen is just, She's an on, on, on the like, before we go any further. She's, she's good. Be, I, I like right? her on PTI usually, right? Like she's yeah. always on PTI. Like I like her. She, and she the knows horn. the sport really well. Yeah, around the horn. She's I like her. She's really good. She's and she knows the sport really well. I mean, for her to say that, it's probably you know paraphrasing from something that he had said. Maybe how long is his contract? Maybe he has three years left on his contract, which I think he does, right? I think it's one or two. He, he, okay, yeah. So Grant, maybe Grant LeBron. They only signed for one or two years at a time because, like. They don't want you to butcher the team around them in, in that time, right? Yeah, exactly, right? No, it's smart that way. I mean, that's the bad thing about basketball. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so maybe that's the amount of time that he has in, in Brooklyn, and he said he wants to win a championship every year. I don't know. But Kevin Durant is a fucking idiot. Like, he just doesn't know how to get out of his own way. 
I, I swear. I, I actually, I don't, I like this better than the first version of Kevin Durant going at, like using burner accounts to go after people. At least he's just putting his name to it, saying like, nope, I don't agree. Nope, sorry, that wasn't me. But what don't you like, agree with? That she said you, you want to win three championships? Did you not say these words I one think, time to a friend? I think he's, I think he's worn out by constantly dealing with the media which I think is a difficult part of that job, right? Like, If her comments were negative, I would understand. But they were not negative. They weren't positive. They, they were just were matter of fact. They're not, they weren't even positive. They don't mean yeah. anything. Who it's, just, it's like very matter of fact. Like, yeah, he wants to win three championships here. Oh, okay. It's, it's like saying, you know, uh, according to our reports, Terry and Pease want to have three bowls of mac and cheese in one week. Yeah, who wouldn't? Mac and yeah. cheese is fucking mac and cheese. Yeah, I mean, it depends you know? where you get it from. But yeah, have you ever had a bad yeah. ma- a bowl of mac and cheese? Um, I usually make my own. I'm very particular. Okay, this is where you and I are going to have a fist fight, okay? Every time I say something good, you're like, yeah, well, I make it too. No, you don't, Peace, okay? I do. No, I do. no, but I don't, there don't. are some places where you get some good. I, I like the one the Bowfinger, for example, local Montreal oh. joint. Bowfinger, are they still open? I don't know post-pandemic. They were pre-pandemic. I, I think the one, the original one is still open, the one like behind the orange the julep D- there. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the NDG one. Yeah, I think that one's still open. But the one they open on Park Avenue, downtown, no, those ones are all, yeah. yeah, they're all closed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good mac and cheese, to your point. Very good. There, Very are, good. there are good mac and cheeses out there. Go find them. Um, <laughs> the Tour de France. Kraft uh, makes a, ba- a very good mac and cheese. What? Sorry? Kraft. They make an amazing mac and cheese. Yeah, you know what else? Smash that shit. No problem. We'll yeah. drop some hot dogs in there, too. That's a Canada Day special. Some bacon. Yeah, yeah, you need you need some protein to top add, it off. I agree. Add 100%. cream cheese. Add um, cream cheese in that. Mac my mom used to do it with carrots, so I got a little bit of vegetable in there too. I got the full. I got the little hot dogs. I got the carrots. I got the you cheese, go, and I got the, the carbs. You take a scoop. This, of, is, you, this isn't about vegetables. You take a scoop of cream cheese and you slap it in there. It makes it extra thick. Mm. Thick. Three C's. Four cheeses. Um, Tour de France is underway. I can't believe we're talking about uh, bicycle racing, but. Um, because something happened that uh, is both terrifying and ridiculous and hilarious. So it's three things. Let's take a look as the race got off to a start on its first leg. You know, you can see that that placard on the left-hand side of the road, Tony Martin just hits it. He comes off. His team come down behind him. It's just you don't, you know, you can see that the, the lads... Uh, apparently, apparently that woman that with the sign dislocated her collarbone. Really? Yeah. Well, because these guys are moving fast, eh? Like, this isn't like a normal person on the bike. Yeah. Um, no, but they're, they're all, it's at the beginning, right? So they're probably just going like 10 kilometers an hour at this point. But but the thing is, is that they have a lot of power behind that. That's, that's what makes it. And I don't know what that board was made out of. It's not made out of like regular cardboard where it would have like bent. But like... You're I an idiot. Like, yeah, I also, the, th- those bikes are made out of, like, air, right? So, like, yeah, the smallest bump on the road, you, like, die. And, and like, their feet are clipped in, right? So, it's yeah. it's not easy to maneuver in oh, a... Oh, I've, I've, I, I have a bike where I'm clipped in also, and, like, and it's super light. And I'm a big boy, right? So, when I'm rolling, I've I've fallen a couple times on those bikes. Like, from, if traffic, traffic gets too close, like, I panic and I just fucking fall back. Yeah. The, uh... The French authorities are searching for her, and it's said that she's fled the country. Um, they um, they intend the authorities intend to sue her um, for I don't I don't really understand French law. So all I know about French law is I watched uh, the Leo DiCaprio uh, Leo uh, DiCaprio movie, the one. Uh, Catch me if you can. 
catch me if you can. And they talked about how terrible the French prison system is. And I was like, yo, the last place I want to be arrested is France. <laughs> My brother's in France right now. We should call him and be like, okay, we have our journalist, our on-site, uh, our on-site beat reporter from Paris, Petro Tam. What do you, what do you think about the situation? And he'll be like, I don't really care. Yeah, because yeah, it's, we should actually because no, it's the Tour de France and nobody gives a fuck about. We should do one one thing further. We should actually get him to get arrested. Yeah, whether or not the French prisons are really that bad. Let's call him. Let's call him right now and be like, yeah. do us a favor, do us a solid, get, get arrested. arrested. Tell yeah. us what that girl would be like in prison, and let us know if Leonardo DiCaprio is a liar because it's going to judge whether or not I watch his future movies. Yeah, yeah. Already, like he didn't even beat the bear, so. Yeah, I mean, there's already like. Did you deserve the Oscar? And he was a racist in Django. Yeah, yeah. He was a drug addict in Basketball Diaries. Like, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like. He cross, drowned in like, Titanic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was just trying to be a gentleman, but a stupid gentleman. So, are you a gentleman if you're stupid? That door was bigger than my apartment. I know. Also, though, um, you know that basically he was actually sent from the future. Um, there's a theory oh. that it's uh, it's tied into the the Terminator universe. Okay. And uh, Rose would eventually give birth to uh, uh, John Connor's grandparents. Um, and yeah, yeah. Because uh, he was wearing clothes that didn't fit for the time. And so people have made it that because James Cameron directed both movies as part of the Terminator universe. It was, dude, I recommend if, if you want to avoid working for a good 35 minutes, go down that rabbit hole. It's fun. I highly okay. recommend this is this is what I hate about like about movie buffs, like movie fanatics. Like I, I love movies too. Like I'm a huge Tarantino guy. I'm probably not alone. The Cage, it. my case, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Fast and Furious, love it all. Uh, but I there's some people up. that look for hidden meanings when they're not there. <laughs> like sometimes, like there's like it feels like English class sometimes, right? Where it's like yeah, reading, it's like oh, the author described the sky as blue. What do you think it meant? Oh, it was a reflection of their childbirth and all the struggles they went through as a a woman growing up in a men's environment. No, the fucking sky's blue, goddammit. <laughs> exactly. So you don't well in English, right? Like it's that's, like Game that's, of Thrones that's the one too. Subject that he sucked at. It's, yep, it's like it's it's like Game of Thrones also. When Game of Thrones was like towards going towards the last season, everybody had all these stories built out. Yeah, I remember in episode one. First of all, they didn't know in episode one what they were going to talk about in episode uh, in season eight. Like, there's no way. So like, George don't try. Martin didn't know how it was going to end. Yeah, exactly. So. Don't... People are coming up with all these fucking theories. Is, this is the problem with movie buffs. That's the problem. Just enjoy yeah. the shit out of your two-hour movie. Suck my balls and go home. Coming back to this Tour de France accident that we just watched, do you think if any of those uh, cyclists were on the juice that they would have either predicted the sign or been able to navigate out of the way or have been fast enough to dodge the sign and not get clipped by it? First of all, Ego, your first mistake is assuming that none of them are on the juice when they're yeah, probably all on steroids. It's one of the dirtiest sports ever. It's the dirtiest sport. Yeah. So, no. To the point, to the point it's such a dirty sport to the point where a guy started a documentary. Well, he, he, he met up with a guy. He wanted to test himself without the juice and on the juice. And he ended up revealing that the entire Russian uh, Athletics Federation was dirty and they were cheating. Just okay. by him wanting to cycle. And, and then for the a while, twist we, is he's the guy with the sign dressed up as a woman. Yeah, that's it. It's the revenge. Yeah, and and uh, and he pulls off the mask at the end and says, "And I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you kids and that damn dog." I don't know what that's from, but it's a Scooby Doo just... reference. Scooby Doo, come on! Like every uh, single was, episode. I wasn't. Did you not have a childhood? 
I did, and I watched. Uh, I did not watch Scooby Doo. I watched like Recess. I watched a lot of like One Saturday Morning, all that shit. I watched like a lot of like like TV shows, like Fresh Prince, Family Matters, Seinfeld, Friends. You know that stuff. Fair, fair, fair. Sports, and I watched like way too much sports. Was I was just raised by a television, so um, yeah, okay. You know, it was just here. My parents were like, "We're busy. Do this." <laughs> <laughs> Look at that screen over there. Um. That's why your brother's as neurotic as he is right now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, Lamar Jackson uh, looks like he's going to negotiate his own deal with the Ravens. Um, a lot has been talked about. Here's Pat McAfee's reaction to that, and then we'll break that down right before we hit the break, and then come back with rapid fire. And fucking get it together, dude. All right. Uh, yes. Lamar and his mom negotiating this deal with Baltimore. This is. A big time contract. It's going to be hundred, at least a hundred and some million dollars. The conversation revolves around. There's been very public, you know, s- statements, knowledge. It feels like from the Ravens side that a deal is going to get done. And it's going to be big. And I wondered why. And I'd forgot that Lamar and his mom were their business team. They want this to be good, public and private, huh? Head. This is your quarterback. This is your quarterback's mom. This has to be handled much differently than whenever you're going through an agent with lawyer speak and burials, right? Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a good read on it because it's not, you know, like if if you're you're heading into a contract negotiation with your starting quarterback powered agent, you know, like Josh Allen's doing it with some of the guys from CAA, for instance, for Dacos with Todd France. I mean, you know, agents a lot of times, uh, agents a lot of times sort of act as the buffer for teams to players. So if you're really pissed off about some counter offer, you scream at the agent and talk about why you're going to, put him out of business or whatever you want to say. And then the player generally has no idea and the relationship is good. It is a little different with Lamar Jackson because it is his mom sort of acting as his business partner, business manager, which of course everybody went bananas about during the pre-draft process. And he still went in the first round and uh, somehow was able to negotiate still his rookie deal. Not a ton of negotiation, but you know, still they they got it done. Yeah. Millions of dollars. dollars. I mean, the money was set, but still like you got to make sure it's right. Um, I, you know, Lamar is seeing the same sort of eyebrows raised from the agent community and from players as well because his mother is doing it. Um, it is a lot of pressure. It is unbelievably difficult. The stakes are incredibly high because if you lock yourself into a bad deal, you could be costing yourself tens of millions of dollars. It has happened. Um, it has happened. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see which way it goes. I mean, it is going to be big. And the Ravens do very good deals, often for the Ravens. So this is probably the one that is most fascinating of all the deals for me. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with Lamar Jackson representing himself because he is—he has like a name to himself. Like he's like the value to Lamar Jackson is like this is—he has a high value. Like we know it. Yeah. But guys like Anthony Duclair in the NHL this year deciding to. To, to negotiate himself after he came off an all-star season, that's like a dumb thing because he sucks and he had a good season. And then, well, not that he sucks, but he he's not as good as what... Yeah, Anthony, come on as, the show. Yeah. So you don't yeah. suck. I mean, I've been trying to get him on, but I don't think Oh, in that case, you suck. Um, no, but the thing is about Anthony Duclair is that he probably lost, the, I, th- I think he lost like a million, two million dollars just negotiating himself. And that's and that's a shame because to, to, he, he had a great season and he was playing really well. And then when he changed teams, it was like, okay, well... 
you know, you need an agent to sell you. If you can't sell yourself, that's the problem. Lamar Jackson doesn't need to sell himself. He is Lamar Jackson. It's like Tom Brady is gonna doesn't need an agent. He can just walk into a room and they'll be like, this is what we're offering you. Like, we know how good you are. This is the offer. I think the, the way um, the agent's role, especially in the NFL, was established at a time where contracts were not public. Mm, and so now, though, he can basically point to Patrick Mahomes and be like, okay, I know you're not going to give me that. But I'm the next guy. Like, so if it's what if he's what if he wants Patrick Mahone's money and his agent is like, you're not going to get it, and he's like, okay, well, fuck you, I want it. That's also possible. And in the end, if he doesn't get that money and doesn't have to pay the commission, he might end up getting closer to what Patrick yeah, that's a good point. is making as well, right? So like, because look, three to five percent on like what's going to be a four hundred million dollar deal plus, that's that's a big, that's a lot of money, right? Nah, so it's I mean, a huge jump, huge so, jump. Even if instead of 400, he gets 390, like, okay, but he's still making more money than if he would have paid the agent. I think where the agent's really important is in negotiating endorsements, yeah. things where there isn't a cap, right? Where, where there's not, where it's an absolute free market and, and going out and getting opportunities. Here, the opportunity is you're restricted free agent. It's, it's the Ravens or you got to find a way to get out of there and work with the team to get out of there. But if you want to yeah. resign, then basically there's only, there's a market of one. Why would you need an agent for that? Exactly. I mean, listen. I hope he. I hope he gets the value that he deserves because he's an excellent player. And and like like Rapport said, if if Baltimore Ravens are always, if it's always a team friendly deal, then he's not going to get what he wants. Like Lamar, when you're an athlete and you decide to not go for an agent, then you're just saying like, nobody thinks I'm worth as much as I think I am, and yeah. that might be a problem. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He might have to. He might have to hold out because I don't think the Ravens are going to pay him. Pat Mahomes' money if he's asking for that. I think he's gonna he's gonna end up settling on on something slightly below yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Like that's that that's the deal that set the market, right? That's, I mean, listen, he he's probably like a little bit north. He's north of Dak Prescott money, and he's very south of Mahomes' money. I think I feel you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's we haven't seen Lamar Jackson perform to the level of Mahomes, and we've seen him. You know, I mean, he's a different style quarterback than Dak Prescott is, but he's kind of at that level. You know where. He's he's needed, but he's not necessarily. It's not worth paying him that much money when look. There's, but there's they never, need to, they need to support him at any time. There's what two generational talents in the league, like in terms of say like Manning and Brady, and now it's Mahomes and Brady. And is Man is Manning of, a Brady? It's always Brady, they, Brady plus somebody else. Oh no, are they generational talents? Like they're they're generational. Like they have like it's it's. I don't think they're super talented is what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't think that Brady and Manning are talented. I think that they're, they're they have oh, a crazy just, work ethic. They have a crazy work ethic. They know how to win. They know how to prepare. They're, they're, they're very well prepared. Mo Holmes and Lamar Jackson are talented. Job. That's part of what makes them incredible is, is the focus to be able to execute on that preparation. But is that, like, is that talent? Absolutely. It's talent. Absolutely. I don't think it's, it's part talent. of the, the package. No, I don't think that's I talent. Think I think I, I measure talent by ability. Um, mm -hmm. Like if I look at like you have a natural born talent like that's something like like you, you have a natural born talent of speaking but like you're, you're a good speaker. Has a natural born talent. They're the best of the best. Exactly, but now we're talking. Now we're talking about now we're talking about generational talents. Like he, Tom Brady, what separates him is is having the the discipline, the focus, and the ability to translate that preparation at that next step. And and um you know the thing is like I look the the, the two guys I look at in my lifetime is just being like absurdly gifted is Dan Marino and Pat Mahomes that they can just make these throws that in 
in you know years previous to their existence, we didn't even know those throws were possible. So what I'm trying to say is that I don't think that Tom Brady is anything any different than anybody else, other than how hard he worked when he got there. That's all I'm saying. And I, the same thing. The same thing with Manning. No, but like so. So for example, like you know, Shaq was known for shooting like 90 percent from the free throw line in practice. He wouldn't miss. Yeah. Yeah. And in the game, his whole form would break down because shooting in the game versus shooting in practice. Like, it's not that Shaq didn't work. Like, the guy worked really hard at shooting. He just never got better because there was there was uh, an ability to focus, an ability to sort of block out the noise and, and succeed in those moments. And and that is sort of – like it is, again, it is a talent. Guys, that's the margin, right? The margin is can you execute the things you've prepared for? Because is it a talent? Is it a talent? I don't think that has. I don't think being big and being super athletic, uh, like Sha- like Shaq is, is necessarily a generational thing. I think that he was just the first of many, and he became. I mean, listen. I think Shaq is the most dominating offensive player in the history of the NBA. Like that's just the way I see it. I don't think he's the best. Obviously, I just think he's the most dominant at one position and possibly sports. Like realistically, yeah. I think so, and but I'm I'm saying so that I could I could consider that more of a generational thing than if I look at Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and I say okay Peyton Manning doesn't have like a really strong arm neither does Tom Brady, they they're not like super accurate but, but they, they just make they make really good reads. Tom, they're, they're, Tom Brady is really accurate, like the timing that the ball comes out hits the yeah, mark exactly. exactly. But it was but it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that to, to start. Like well, if I look at Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, and Aaron Rod- Aaron Rodgers. He's more of a generational talent than Tom Brady is to me, because I, I look at Aaron Rodgers. He's got the arms. Hairs. It's yeah, funny I hairs. guess, but it he's got matter. like they're all at the top of the, like the guys we're all talking about. So like, here's the thing: you say Aaron Rodgers is better, okay? No, I'm not saying better. Tom Brady's better, okay? Like it doesn't actually like it's all it about there, right? Sorry, I, but I'm not saying he's better. I'm just saying it's like if I look at if I you're, look at the intangibles. Saying, saying, okay, but you, you're looking at just God-given talent. No, I'm just looking, if I look at the intangible, yeah, God-given talent, I guess. If I look I think, at the intangibles, I think, I think I think there's a there's a mental fortitude, mental toughness, and like you know, like a lot of times in solo sports, like swimming, for example, is, is a lot of that where guys have times when they're practicing and can't get those times in competition, and it's it's just it's hard to focus when there's that much pressure. Yeah, some people are able to push through that and it's a different kind of talent. It's it's not again, it's not physical ability necessarily necessarily, but I think there is uh something to be said about sort of that that mental makeup, you know? Uh we'll talk to someone with the strangest mental makeup we've ever met uh when we come back. I went to take a quick break and when we're back we'll be rejoined by Mokan. And we're back, I think. Eagle stopped counting and yes, I wasn't back. counting That's at all. Works. I count and then I stop counting and then you start talking. Yeah, that's what I did. So, hey, Mo, how's it going? Not sauce for work on the Hot Sauce Sports Network. Um, Mo, we brought you on today uh, because, as you know, uh, the Montreal Canadiens are in the Stanley Cup Finals. We're down 1-0, but we were down 1-0 against Vegas. It didn't look good. My impression watching the game was when I saw them go go down. 0-1 to, to Vegas, it felt like Montreal at least punched him in the mouth first period, and then, you know, Vegas sort of got away with it. Um, this game here didn't feel like that at all. It felt really almost like a, a cat playing with its with its prey. Um, I don't know if, if it felt that way to you, but that, that's how it felt to me. What are your thoughts? Well, when you look at the uh, Nick Suzuki line with Caulfield and Toffoli, they went to minus, minus nine in the game. 
uh, yes, on, on game one, I beg your pardon. Uh, your best line or your best trio of, of, of threats couldn't do much. And they took out Caulfield in that hockey game yesterday, guys. They made him uh, neutral. And I think in this whole scenario of what they're going up against now, no, I'm not saying that Tampa is the ultimate god here, but they have a lot more depth to work with where they can make their adjustments. And John Cooper had a fantastic game plan that he employed that worked to, to near perfection for the Bolts and their win over the Habs. And you wonder now for Luke Richardson and Dom Ducharme, whenever he comes back, what their game plan will be for game two. And guys, when you look at this body of, of history for the Habs so far in the playoffs, they've always taken one game, at least one game, in the first two matchups away from the Bell Center. Can they even up this series going back to Montreal for three and four? If they don't, it's a real tall mountain to climb for them heading back to Montreal. The thing is that I, I'm i not worried. Like, even as we, we, we've done live streams and, I've, you know, we've all been – like where we've become like a Habs network kind of thing, right? And I'm not even worried when it comes to this. Like if Ducharme comes back, which I think you said Mo, he is, is that if Ducharme comes back, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's a positive. You know what I mean? Because they've been playing so well with Luke Richardson, and even last night. I mean, up until Sherratt's like stupid play where he tried to knock it out of the crease. Like, are we talking about are we talking about a five one game? I think it's a completely different game if that puck doesn't go in. So I'm I'm really not worried. I think the Habs will do fine, and I really I still think they're going to win the series. Well, I think, Terry, look, they have a puncher's chance, right? Because you guys know sports very well. Whenever mm-hmm. you make the finals of any league, there's no guarantee you'll do it again. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it might be a one and done, well, right? So, it's 93, Mo, right? Like yeah, that's- well, that's it, right? right? That's exactly it. Because when you think about it, in the final four of this year's conference finals, the Islanders and Canadians had the longest droughts for Eastern Conference or Old School Wales Conference teams to not make the cup final. The Habs now finally breaking that drought. But the thing is... They're all in, right? They can't say, look, if we lose in five, we'll come back next year. There's no guarantee of that because, guys, when the Habs go back to the regular divisional format, they might be the fifth best team in that division behind Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Florida, and then maybe Montreal. And so and I think Ottawa's, them, Ottawa's an up-and-coming they're team They're closing too, in. Like, yeah, Ottawa's yeah. looking good for their youth, right? And I think the key for this team, guys, for game two tomorrow, which we've seen against Vegas and we saw against the Jets and even Toronto to an extent, they got to get that first goal and they got to tone down the crowd in the first 10 minutes and whether that storm, no pun intended, towards a lightning nickname. So if they get that first goal, and if they can get Carey Price a two-goal buffer, that's like a starting pitcher that's going to close out the game and go full nine and get you 10 strikeouts and winning that game easy. Mo, the two big stories going into this whole series were the goaltending and the uh, man advantages, right? So the Tampa power play versus the Montreal penalty kill. And in both cases, I don't think Montreal really stood up to that whole storyline from what I was seeing. Like the Tampa power play looked aggressive. Our penalty kill looked very lost. And Price, I mean, he stood on his head, but Vasilevsky also like killed him in terms of trying to keep him in the game. Yeah, Eagle, I think when you look at how Price and Vasilevsky play, they're now, look, if you do a top five NHL goaltending list, they're in the top five, right? Vasilevsky has done his due justice to what he's done for his body of work. I think when it comes down to it, though, this Habs PK has been phenomenal. And we go back, guys, to game one. Remember, Terry and Pease and Eagle, how many shorthanded goals did they have in the first 10 games? I think like six or seven, right? Yeah. And then when they had that slump – they couldn't get those shorthanded goals when, during the midseason slump of theirs. And yeah. then they came back in the playoffs with a couple of key goals by Byron and stuff. So I think for them, keep it simple because, look, that Tampa power play is unbelievable. They can go 10 deep on you with their two power play units that they have. You just can't overdo it with this team because they'll expose you for what you have. And I think what we saw from Tampa in round one against Florida and right up until now, they just have that firepower. And if they just keep it simple moving towards game two, they'll be okay. But, again, this Tampa team, guys – 
they can roll four lines. If lines one and two aren't clicking and three and four come through, that's fine for them. Whereas for Montreal guys, they need all four lines playing great in a single game and can't have one line fail as it did for them on game one. So the thing is with the Habs is that what they did well in the first three series against Vegas, the Jets, and the Leafs is that they, they were able to get the puck behind the defenseman. Now we're talking about 6D on uh, the Lightning that are much more superior than the, the shit that they have in in the Leafs, the banged-up D that they have in the Jets, and then the the good def- like the good defensive team that they had in Vegas. But realistically, is that the Lightning defense from 1 to 6, they can crack any top two pairing in any team in the NHL, and that's the problem right now. How many goals did, they, did the Habs score just off breaks with speed and things like that? But these defensemen are so fucking smart that they're picking up on it right away. They're not going to let Caulfield... A uh, little 19-year-old kids skate around them and go right to the net. That's not going to happen against the Lightning. So they need to figure out a way, get back, and stop playing the Lightning style of play. Like, you're not going to out-physical them. That's another and, thing, too. Is like, they're trying to play hard with them, and they're trying to play physical with them. But realistically, they need to stick to their own game. Possession, get the fucking puck in deep, hockey cliche, and end it there. And to your point, Terry, like, if you do get past that defense, Montreal also doesn't face the goaltender like Vasilevsky. No, bad. because he's if he's not better, he's as just as good, if not better than Price. Like that's yeah, he's, that's he's pretty much Flurry equal, just right? won the Vezina, yeah. so I mean, you, there's an there argument to be made that yes, they did face a good goalie, but I digress. Right, and, and look, Terry, you bring up a good point because what did Tampa do yesterday? Right, they they mauled the Canadians physically, and the Habs didn't know what to do. They they short circuited, saying, "Well, what do we do? We they put on the handbrake on themselves, the Canadians, and said, look, we're gonna you know play their style, and and guess what? We'll, we'll adapt.' But no, you have to play your style of game." That's what Montreal did. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. The first period was nervous. Like, you can tell they were super nervous. The second period, they calmed down and they played really well. Like, the second period was a very good period. And then the third and the third period, they you just kind of saw, like, they just couldn't figure it out. And the adjustments that the Lightning made were much more. And to Eagles' point, they, the Habs did play against Hellebuck, who was the best in the trophy this winter this year. So. Right, and Hellebuck had a tough go in that four-game loss. But, again, yeah, guys, when you think do, about right? how Tampa is built. Like, when, so that's when the, not what Eagle did. Eagle was kind of a dick. Um, <laughs> He, he brought up something that broke three minutes ago that we didn't see because we're on the show that uh, Marc-Andre Fleury won the Vezina. Well, was, they're not today, today, yeah. And Hellebuck won the Vezina last year, right? Yeah. Or Vasilevsky won yeah. last year. I think Hellebuck won it last I year. I think Hellebuck might have won last year. And yeah. he plays for the Jets, so. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, he did that breaking news into a little like non uh, non sequitur type of comment there. <laughs> Perfect. Sure. Um, Mo, I, I saw you mentioned, of course, Collins coaching um, the Team Canada, um, and he's coaching Tampa Bay. And the the, the meme came out today uh, that he'd do fine because uh, Team Canada also won't have a salary cap. Uh, Gary <laughs> Bettman, uh, he has come under fire, and his response was he saw no problem with Tampa Bay being uh, nearly $20 million over the salary cap. I know Montreal is a touch over the salary cap as well, but what's your reaction to hearing what Batman had to say? It's cool. I'm cool with it because... It's the rule. Yeah, it's a rule. And Kucherov suffered a bad injury at the end of last season. Think about it, guys, right? Season ended when? Uh, late September, early October, right, when Tampa won the cup? Mm-hmm. Kucherov has a hip injury. It's not like a, you, you have like a, um, whatever, a, a scratch in your arm. This is a serious injury that requires long-term rehab, which he went through. And guess what? Julian Breesbois, who was a capologist by trade, 
realize, look, we have this cap space, free money we can use to acquire more depth to work with. And oh, guess what? By the time we have playoffs, the cap is absolved. We go out there with what we have, and they worked it to perfection. Because again, guys, we go back to how Tampa is. They have four lines of quality, right? This is something where if Montreal had Kucherov and he went down, they're in serious trouble because they don't have that depth like Tampa does. Mm -hmm. And if people are going to be critical of Tampa for what they employed with and went with their with their project of, hey, Kucherov, you're out for the year, no problem, we'll get you back for April and beyond, don't blame them. They did it perfectly, and guess what? They've developed their talent to be where they are, being a perennial contender for the Cup in the last four or five years. Do I like that rule? No. But the thing is, is when when the, when Chicago did it and the entire league was going after them, Tampa Bay wasn't a team that was against the rule. They were they were sorry. They weren't a team that was for the rule. They were against the rule. Just like most teams. Yeah. They, they, they yeah. Formally to change the rule. To be so there's, about nothing, there's nothing wrong with them taking advantage of. No, of course rule. not. I mean, it, I mean, it is what it is. Well, think about. It. Let's say Price and Weber goes down for the Canadians, right? You save how much money off the cap? Yeah, for exactly. that regular season, right? And that becomes free money. And guess what? You can go get yourself a bona fide defenseman or maybe another goaltender and then come playoff time, well, cap is out the window because we're going to go with our best on best. That's how exactly. they did it, and they played it well. That's all. Don't blame them. And I don't hate the I don't hate the rule. I think that it should be changed to a certain extent. I mean, it just it's because the, there was all these rumors that Kucherov was healthy two weeks before, two, well, three he weeks was before skating the season with, ended. He got special permission from the league. To me, that's the bigger story. He got special yeah. permission from the league to violate the cap rules because theoretically, if you're on IR, you're not allowed uh, to to skate with the team. You um, skate independently by exactly. a trainer exactly. or on your, on your he was own. He's actually yeah. practicing with the team for about two weeks before the playoffs. Uh, theoretically, that put them in violation of the cap. But he got the team and he got special permission. I don't know if it's due to COVID rules. I also am not as familiar with the hockey CBA as I am with, let's say, basketball or football. Uh, so I don't know exactly the manifestations and the the ways it works uh, in those windows. But that's to me, that would have been a more interesting thing to look at. And I didn't really see anybody uh, discussing that story. My well, roommate just walked in. <laughs> Is she going to cancel us out now or what? No, not yet. Not yet. Nah, soon enough, though. Uh, but like Kucherov's a talent. If people are going to hate on Tampa, so be it. But guys, guess what? It adds another storyline to the idea that Tampa's become the villains of the NHL. That's what you want. Why does the NFL and NBA succeed so much, right? The Lakers, Cowboys are must-see TV of love or hate of that franchise because you want to see them succeed or fail. And that's what the NHL needs with a Tampa Bay where they can say, look, I'm going to come watch this team and see maybe the Habs pull off the upset or see them become a potential dynasty for who knows how long, three, four more years. There you go. Uh, Mo, oh, Mo, Mo Khan joins us, by the way, of TSN 690 and uh, newly appointed weatherman at CTV. Um, you know that if you're getting your weather from Mo, it's the best weather. All the other weather is oh, trash God. weather. Well, no, actually, because I confirmed with Mo a couple weeks ago about my golf my golf day, like I mentioned earlier on in the show, and Mo was wrong. He said it was going to rain and everything, and then I started playing. It wasn't a cloud in the sky. So, Mo, I'm asking you seriously right now. I'm, I'm scheduled to play golf tomorrow and Thursday. What am I? What am I looking? Let me look at my app. I'll go look at my app right now. I'll try to <laughs> see what's going on. The, the, the standards of meteorologist on TV stations has gone down, right? They have the sports the, the, the quality beats guy is... doing weather now. You don't really have yeah. the weather understanding, do you? This is like the equivalent of of the Lakers, right? When under Kobe, right? Yeah. When they won the titles in 2010 and whatever. And then they went on a playoff droughtless run of like six, seven years in a row, not doing anything, and became a terrible team, ended up being a top three NBA draft pick. That's what CTV's become. They brought me in to become a top three pick 
for weather here. So well, I thought I thought you were saying a drought in that it wasn't going to rain. I thought you were trying to save Terry's. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, he's not no, clever no. enough for that. <laughs> no, well, like I, what Terry, I can tell you from the early forecasts. I'm doing weather on on Canada Day. It's supposed to rain um, at some point towards the end of the week. That's all I can okay. tell you. Right. It's a right. it's well, a satellite forecast, man. We see the clouds roll in. We see what so it is. Is. It, is it true that the forecasts have been all well, last year? The forecasts were like wrong ninety nine percent of the time. And is it true? It's because there aren't enough planes flying, and they, that's that's how like, usually know. forecasts are generated. It depends on the from what I've learned in the crash course of learning weather in the last month. It's a jet stream. The low pressure coming in from north, and this and the high pressure coming in from the south. But like it, I called it correctly on the weekend it was rain on saturday and we mix the sun on sunday and it was supposed to rain at some point today never happened yeah. so maybe no, it comes I, got, tomorrow. I got stuck i got stuck in four minutes of rain i was wearing sweet sweet sneakers and it was very disappointing to me that's because god god was punishing you for wearing green suede sneakers hey those sneakers are fly um well my uh, my question to you um is france had a strategy coming in to this euro and that strategy got they, did. they lost. Um, and the strategy, as it turns out, was that they had a strict ban for no sex for the entire team for uh, this Euro tournament. I'm a believer you need to milk the racehorse before the game. Uh, Terry and I have gone back and forth on this on countless episodes. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you think that was a mistake by the French? Do you think that's why they lost? Well, perhaps Didier Deschamps will lose his job because of that, right? I mean... I mean... <laughs> Now they like France. They're a weird team. I mean, Terry, you follow closely, close enough. They're a weird team because they had a lot of firepower, but their biggest weakness was their back line, their defensive line. They that was a perceived weakness, and they got exposed by Switzerland yesterday. And for whatever reason, Didier Deschamps went, went with a three-man back. Well, I don't know why he he went from his traditional having four 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 two to three four three. And it backfired. And then they made their adjustments, and they had that 3-1 lead, and then they kind of soaked in the pressure. And then next thing you know, it's 3-2, then 3-3, and they lose in PK. And I think this French team has immense talent to work with. I think they still will be a contender for 2022 in Qatar for the World Cup. But this was a chance where they could have perhaps set themselves up to become how they were in the late 90s and 2000 when they won the World Cup and Euro Cup in the following successive tournaments that it was. But... I think there's a lot of question marks, and they have to figure out their back line because going to next year's uh, uh, 2022 for Qatar, that back line has got to be a lot stable than what they showed. And I don't blame Kylian Mbappe in the front line. They played as well as they could, but they got to figure out their back line moving forward. Um, a few things there. Juan Pease, we spoke to Corey Kennedy about this already. Corey Kennedy, athletic trainer for the Chicago Cubs. He told us that if anything – releasing some fluids would benefit you because you yeah, build, exactly. you generate you generate testosterone when you're re, when you're replenishing the fluids in your nutsack. So yeah. I think that I think that Didier Deschamps should be fired on, solely on that reason that he We're didn't allow his players science, to have sex. Right? Yeah. Come on. I mean analytics, well, analytics, analytics, uh, sabermetrics, analytics, all that shit. Semen metrics, semen metrics. He can't figure it out. Like yeah. Didier Deshaun needs to figure out. Like, Plus, let, let if the boys he had, play. if he had rubbed one out, maybe he would have realized in the moment of clarity that his strategy was bad. There we go. Well, hold on, guys. Let's think about it though. Post not clarity. Did he did he apply the strategy in 2018 when they won the World Cup? That's a good question. I don't know. Like, yeah. we have to look into this. Oh, my brother's in France right now. My brother. I saw in France that. Right I saw his tweet. I'm like, what's going on here? Why, yeah, why is he in France? 
Uh, because his, his girlfriend's from France and they, oh. they, had, they have a newborn, right? So she wanted him to meet, she wanted the baby to meet the family. So she's on oh. mad leave. They take advantage of it. So he's in France right now. He's already really going nice. to get arrested so we can test yeah. out the prison systems. Uh, so now we, all we have to do is maybe he can break into DC Deshaun's house and like uh, put, him, put him hostage. And that's how he's going to get to prison. Two for one. There we go. Two for one. Two for one. Yeah. That's the way to do it. A very um, well detailed plan, I see. If yeah. you're going to get arrested, get Flawless. arrested for two crimes. That's what I always say. Flawless <laughs> plan, Mo. Mo, who do you think? <laughs> Who do you think's winning the uh, the Euro? Well, Plan A is out the window with France. I mean, I thought they would have yeah. uh, had a chance to go. I was surprised to see them lose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially in the round of 16. I thought maybe they were going to lose. It'd be somewhere in the round of eight or semifinal to Italy. I have Italy going. Uh, I think they're going to do it. I think the Italians have – people are saying, well, you're wrong. I go, look, the Italians have a, such a clear path now with the French out the window that you're going up against a Belgium squad that's banged up with De Bruyne and, and Hedin, Hedin Hazard both being hurt for Friday's game. Who knows how healthy they'll be for the clash. If they get past Belgium, I think they can get by Spain, no question. Look, mm-hmm. whether they play England, Denmark, uh, Ukraine, the powerhouse that they are, or whoever they have next, Czech Republic, I think it's setting up well for Italy to make that potential run to win a Euro and get that star on their chest for years with to come. Uh, with guys, all these... Sorry, go please ahead. go. Well, I was going to say, as much as I'm... Uh, excited and hope uh, Italy wins because it's my, my family's lineage. Um, I'm actually a little worried because uh, Chris Johnson Galvez from our show uh, Healthy Scratch, he's a, he's a Leafs fan. Lost, he nothing. Lost to the Habs. And then if Italy beats Spain, I think he's just gonna he's just gonna punch me in the face. Like there's there's no other way about it. One one thing about Christian, he's the, probably the most angry human being of all time. <laughs> Two, <laughs> he knows absolutely nothing. He's well, like, like so mad. He's so mad all the fast. time. Only about well, it, it, it's going to be fascinating. Again, look, Belgium's banged up. Spain's unpredictable. I think Italy's the more stable team at this point. And look, we saw what happened against Austria, right? They had to win ugly to get to this point. And the great teams always do it. You can't win pretty all the time. You have to have those ugly games in between those uh, runs that they have. Upset of the tournament, Mo, you're not going to like this, but I think Ukraine's going to be England. I'm putting my money on it. Anyway, peace. Great soccer now. <laughs> Plus there, we go. there we go. Plus uh, so rapid fire. Mo Khan will join us because we trust him enough to do rapid fire with us. That's the only reason. <laughs> we love Mo and we trust him. That's all. <laughs> Harry Kane. Like, is Harry Kane going to do it? Like, the guy's fucking brutal. Like, the probably the most overrated player. Harry Kane, Griezmann, two of the most overrated players I've ever seen in my life. Jesus. They got heavy real fast. Yeah, that's, that really most turned. Better. Mo's like, Mo's, turned dark. I was like, oh I know. boy. Mo's offended. He's like, you're taking shots at me? Taking shots at my people? Well, I don't care for Harry Kane as a Spurs player, but as an <laughs> England national, it's a bit different. Before we get into rapid fire, Terry, is there any sports that you're going to lose money on tonight? Uh, I mean, if I took Mo's, uh, I, I went full Greece on this one. So it's 50 to 46 going into the half. For Greece. And I don't know why. They're still underdogs. So I'm going to continue playing that line until the end. Uh, but I probably will lose some money on baseball tonight. Definitely. And you will, where will you be doing that? Oh, baseball. I will be – no, but I will be making money on Hot Streak Fantasy with basketball. That's absolute, That's a guarantee. I'm guaranteed to become a millionaire by using Hot Streak Fantasy. If I, you don't know I, did, the, I did well last night. I did well last night on Hot Streak. Yeah. You got, you got to do it. Hot Streak Fantasy. Use Hot Sauce promo code. They'll match your bonus. They'll match your initial deposit as a bonus. I did it. Pease did it. All the Hot Sauce guys did it. We're making millions of dollars on Hot Streak Fantasy just by 5 to $10 bets. It's well, the best look fantasy at uh, background. He's got those uh, million-dollar guitars behind him. Exactly. How, how, how do you get paid for them? How do they get paid for them? How do you think I afforded this art? 
<laughs> yeah, that corner is perfect, man. Yeah, it's so Terry symmetrical. Terry to sell the art after his losses, but now he's back up, so we'll get art back there soon. Um, but no, it's it's art not, is objective. I had a I had a uh, <laughs> art is subjective. I think is what you meant. To I can say. see Eagle's reaction right now. Like you know when Eagle gets annoyed, his his eyes start to wince, and he does this like no look, like. Art, art is objective. That's my. That's, I'm gonna make a T-shirt. Art yeah, is I'll, I'll wear that. I will absolutely wear that. T-shirt. I will definitely make that shirt. You go right out like this. Yeah, Mo, you art should download this app so you can get some money to afford a haircut. Oh, well, dude, what do we do, man? Like, I, I, I was outside in the wind all day. <laughs> Windy. <laughs> the wind makes your hair just fucking stay up. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't do that for me. Yeah. Vanilla ice is his hair. <laughs> All right, first topic for today. On the PK, PK Subban has recently joined, uh, I think it's ESPN, is it TNT? Yeah, one ESP, of them? ESPN. Uh, yeah. As a, a hockey player turned analyst, but he's also very uh, much of a rookie broadcaster when it comes to this. So this is his analysis of who he thinks is going is to great. win the Stanley Cup Finals. Who do I like? Who do I favor in the Stanley Cup Final? First of all, the defending Stanley Cup champions are back in the Stanley Cup Final. They seem to be clicking on all cylinders, but... Across from that, you have the Montreal Canadiens led by Carey Price, Hall of Fame goaltender, in my opinion, he is going to be. And when he's playing as well as he's playing, anything is possible. And we see the city of Montreal, the way they're responding, the energy there, the city that I love so much is ready for another Stanley Cup. Will he do it? Can he bring it? He's going to need the help of Cole Caulfield. I'm pausing here just because he called him Cole Caulfield in another segment that he did. So he has I would explain it here. Cole Caulfield off any menu, anytime. Oh yeah, definitely. the young group Nick Suzuki sprinkled in with some veterans in Montreal to continue to be playing that game that they're playing. Now it's interesting in the Stanley Cup Final. You have two teams that play similar styles: fast-paced game, puck control. They got some youth, ton of skill, and ton of talent. But in my opinion, it's going to be in net. Goaltending can Carey Price maintain that Hall of Fame level of play that he's shown all season, all career long, and all through this playoffs? And can Vasilevsky once again show that he now is ready to take over the NHL as the number one goaltender? It all remains to be seen. I think health. Nikita Kucherov a little banged up, but we've seen what Tampa's been able to do when facing adversity. They show it time in and time again that they are Stanley Cup champions and they're ready to repeat. Will they repeat? I'm not sure. Am I, are they my pick? I'm not sure. But I can tell you this, it's going to be one hell of a series. Okay, so I agree with uh, PK. I'm not sure I, what you uh, said. Which, I'm really not sure what you said. <laughs> hey, you know what? PK is great, though. PK is great on the mic. He's got a great voice. And I just, it's just, he's a little nervous. It's hard for him to not pick. He, he doesn't want to not pick Montreal because he said it's the city that he loves. So He's just, obviously going for so Tampa just Bay. It's Mont- so just pick Montreal. Nobody cares if you're wrong. Yeah, no like, one's going to remember what you said. It's he said nothing for ninety seconds. That's the longest time. Like I, I, I wanted to like superimpose it with a clip at one point where he just carried the puck for ninety seconds. Yeah. I think that might have also happened in his career. And then um, like he did, and then he didn't do anything with it. Yeah, it like, just, just like he just passed it, or he just like dumped it in and made a change. You know. Well, I think like he will eventually land in ESPN, and this is his first step where they will groom him. They've done it with other former or current who became former athletes and Vince Carter and others that he will become eventually one of the key ESPN hockey guys because they do have a seven-year deal with the NHL, and who knows well, how long Subban will last. Yeah, he'll probably play another, like, I don't know how long is. 
I don't know how long he has left on his contract, but he'll be probably play for another three, four, five years. And but he's he's great. PK Subban's going to be great at this. Like he's I, a he's built for this. I think he will be. He just eventually needs to say a thing, just, just make, one thing. Make a pick. Make a you pick. know she didn't say Shea Weber's name in that whole process. Uh, uh, oh, it's true. It's true, Mokar. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah, being yeah. Other veterans is what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't yeah. say Shea Weber or, or Brendan Gallagher's name. Oh, that's a good point. That's a very yeah. good point. Didn't say those names. All right, Brady, you can drive my car. Uh, the Bleacher Report has recently uh, brought forth a rumor when Tom Brady was looking for a new team, he apparently said, you're going to stick with that motherfucker, referring to a unknown team, and it seems like they figured out that they're referring to Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know why it would be Derek Carr, though. Like, why would he be so upset about not going to the Oakland? Like, I, I thought it was Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, Vegas. Well, Jimmy G, he sat with Jimmy G, right? Because Don Yee, yeah. the agent for Brady and, and Garoppolo and the whole nine. But even Terry, I told you in a text, in, in a joke, yeah. right? Saying, hey, it's probably Derek Carr, LOL. Yeah. And and when you think about it, guys, if you go back and trace the timeline of how Tom Brady was kind of going through the process of free agency, the Raiders were up there. They, I mean, let's not forget, Mark Davis and Tom Brady had a little powwow at, at a UFC event before COVID-19 rocked the world. And people thought that would be a perfect fit because new stadium – Vegas is not far away from L.A. We know that he has more business in L.A. than before, that he would fit in well with what the Raiders wanted to build. And let's not forget, guys, he's a Bay Area kid, not saying he grew up as a Raider fan, but he's very familiar with the history and tradition of the Las Vegas or then Oakland Raiders. So I'm not surprised by what he said. And, look, Tom Brady is, is a free man. He's not under the Bill Belichick regime of, hey. fuck he wants. Yeah, he says what he wants. Well, I, first of all, I love I love this new Tom Brady. He, he went from my most hated player in the NFL to my favorite just with how much he's been talking recently. But as a Raiders fan, well, you're you're probably striking Montreal's striking famous, Raiders fan. Striking sorry, what? Fan. Striking Raider fan. Striking. So you're, you're Montreal's. You're both Montreal's most famous Raiders fan and Montreal's most famous striking Raiders fan. Um, <laughs> I think the latter. My brother how also. Would you have felt? How would you have felt though if they? Uh, got Tom Brady to replace who is statistically the Raiders' greatest quarterback in Derek Carr. Well, look at look at Derek's Derek Carr's win loss record. I think he's like forty seven and sixty three. I mean that's that says their greatest quarterback. So. Yeah, no, you're wins, right. It doesn't say much about the Raiders. Stat, yeah, no, but it doesn't say much about the Raiders, right? In the history of yeah. quarterbacks that they've had, Kent Stabler probably being the greatest of, of them all. But uh, Rich Gannon, bro. Well, Gannon had, had, had a two-year run, right? I mean, two, three-year run of dominance. That's how bad the Raiders quarterbacks have been. No, no, no you're right. They, it's been a put? bad – Jamarcus Russell is a classic, right? I mean, yeah. don't you remember the Kirk Morrison story about him in the DVD? Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, course. yeah hey, watch the practice film. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Did you watch it? Yeah, of course. There's nothing in the, in the it box. Empty on it. Yeah. it was empty day. It was an empty day. It was empty. It was George? It's the best story ever. Jeff George, anyway. Bobby Hoyne, we can go through the whole list. But anyway, like, I, I think Brady <laughs> – like the Raider franchise had Brady Mark Tuasai Sopo. Marquise Tuas Sopo. Yeah. I think he's a coach yeah. now at California University, I think. Yeah. Anyway, look, the point is this, though. It's a what if, right? Because the Raiders last year, had they brought him Brady, they weren't going to bring Antonio Brown back, and he brought him to Tampa. Gronk, might have, Gronk probably wouldn't have come because they have Darren Waller. Raiders probably win a few more games, but probably aren't winning a ring for Tom Brady. Whereas he goes to Tampa, a much yeah. better situation overall with what they have from a talent perspective and that he and Bruce Arians saw things in the same view than where he was with Bill Belichick in the last couple of years in New England. Tampa, yeah, Tampa was like a perfect fit. It lo- at first, it didn't look like it, but as the season went on, you're like, okay, this just works. Of course. Yeah. There were, however, uh, John Gruden's comments about Tom Brady where he said, I like that guy, man. <laughs> 
also a double whammy on this one. Besides winning a Super Bowl for Tampa, he not doesn't win one for Vegas and pisses off Mo. So I am pleased. Even Next. better. Swiss Bliss. Um, during the Royal Euro Cup, we've seen the cameras panning throughout the crowd since there's so much downtime in between whistles. And so we happen to see a little bit of footage of a Swiss fan celebrating their victory over France. Uh, this is probably the best thing you're ever going to see. <laughs> the music. I love it. I saw I that. The, that guy's gonna be a meme for the rest of his life. Like, it's, and, he, and he'll make yeah. he'll make money off of that, right? He'll become a legend in Swiss, Switzerland soccer history for doing that. You think he'll make money on that? Well, yeah. Think about it, right? I mean, you just beat a power, a long, I guess, a long term nemesis of yours, Switzerland and France, from the years they played uh, soccer. <laughs> Sure and that moment where they were down 3-1 was that first reaction. And when they tied it up, it was 3-3. Yeah, but so how, he becomes, how can he monetize his reaction? Because he's going to be on TV NFTs, shows. NFTs, my friend. I yeah. I talked to Danny about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Oh, yeah, maybe we can NFT this bitch. Yeah. So. And, you know, longtime enemies in terms of who makes the better cheese, France or Switzerland. I have to say, I worked in Switzerland for a very short period of time. And of all the people I met, no one was like that dude. That dude is a gem for that country. The, those people are so nice and kind and reserved. So boring. Missionary but position that, That's only. essentially what I was saying, yeah. But man, by comparison, this dude, he's a gem. A gem among the crown jewels. Among the crown jewels. Next, some CH Bites. Montreal's famous bagel place, St. Vieters, has recently joined in in the Stanley Cup mania by making bagels in the shape of the Canadian's logo. Pease, you're from a cooking school. Thoughts on this? Well, first of all, I'm going to start by saying, I've said it before, Montreal bagels smoke New York bagels. New York bagels are basically uh, tire fire. Um, so even in this ridiculous shape, we still have better bagels. That's that's all I got in the deal. That's... I'm always going to keep up for Montreal bagels. Uh, I mean, I, I, there's always that notion about New York bagels being great. Uh, I've never tasted a New York bagel. I think it, it will never equal to the level of what Montreal bagels are. Montreal bagels are a gem among the crown jewels of the bagel world. Yeah, this, this guy. <laughs> the, thing about, the thing about New York bagels is that they're good, but they're, they're just like kind of like just a little bit too dry. Like where Montreal bagels, you, you bite at them and they're soft. They got a lot of flavor the entire time. You, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, Terry. Like as a as a fellow foodie, like you can take a Montreal bagel with nothing on it and absolutely enjoy it. Oh yeah, I do it all the time. You know what my you know my midnight. I used to work at a radio station by uh, Saint Vieter Bagel. At midnight, when I was done, I'd walk over to Saint Vieter Bagel. I'd get six bagels and a dip, and I'd sit on the sidewalk, and that's what I would eat: six bagels and a dip. Quite and, the exciting times with Terry Tam. And now ask me, yeah. ask me how I gained forty pounds? No idea. <laughs> oh, poutine, right? When he went to Poutina, it was that year. same year. I just, I just said YOLO, fuck it. That's all I'm gonna do. We'll put on poutine pounds. <laughs> and our last Far. story, not sports related, but definitely a big cornerstone in the history of the world. Fast Furious Nine has been released, and it is the highest-grossing movie since the beginning of the pandemic. Vin Diesel's response to the whole thing is that cinema is back, and clearly, you can't have cinema without family. Yeah. That's true. Because the thing about the Fast and Furious movies, <laughs> thing about the Fast and Furious movies is that they're always uh, very, um, how do I say this, uh, relevant. Everything that happens in there is is factual. Like everything, like it's not, it's never blown out of proportion. 
It's never exaggerated. Like I can really picture me being in a car, jumping off of it while it's attached to a helicopter and just throwing myself off it. I can picture that. With my missiles favorite, trailing you in the yeah, behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My favorite We're running moment, on a train the other way. My favorite moment, I believe, was in Fast 6, where a torpedo comes through the ice because it was launched from a, a submarine that was under the ice, and then the rock picks it up and throws it at a tank, <laughs> and then the tank explodes. They are my favorite movies. It's amazing. Uh, Vin Diesel's right. Cinema is back. We Listen, we've had great movies in the past. We've had Citizen Kane. We've had Casablanca. We've had The Godfather. And none of those matter anymore because Fast 9 goes to space. There's a prequel for The Sopranos coming out in October. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's right, right. On HBO, no? Yeah. I think it's I think it's going to be in theaters also. But HBO right. Max is going to be on. Right. I can't exactly. wait for that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And that's our show for today, folks. Awesome. All right. Well, All right. Uh, it's a time where I tell everyone uh, to follow us, to subscribe to what we do. Uh, if you like what we do, we have a whole wide buffet. We have a whole uh, slew of shows. We have all of our articles that come out throughout the week. Uh, please do follow us. Please do comment, do subscribe, do all that stuff. Uh, because in the end, look, look how badly Mo Khan needs a haircut. We'd love to sponsor that haircut. Oh, I'll get my haircut next week anyway. Mo, maybe you should maybe you should give Mark Davis your hair, your hair tips. Yeah, maybe. You Once know? you get a cut, take a picture and post it on your Twitter, which you can be followed at MoCon19. Yeah. Right, to, which, to which I will respond something stupid. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Probably. <laughs> so thank you, Mo, for joining us. Really absolutely appreciated. Terry, thank you for everything you do. Uh, we're, we're back in studio next week, question mark? We'll see. Because doubt it for me we're done with this flag. Sorry, sorry, Terry? I said doubt it for me since I'm currently working. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully hopefully we'll get you back soon because this lag is driving me crazy. Oh. Uh Eagle, thank you for all the work you've done. But most of all, thank you all for letting me be myself. You've been listening to Hot Sauce Sports. Sports.